All right. I'm really excited about this new series we're starting today. Um, we're going to be jumping into uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, somebody asked me the, the, this morning how many, or this week, how many weeks this is going to be. Um, I have no idea. Uh, uh, John is a, a dense book. <laughs> There's a lot in it. And um, uh, truthfully, we could, spend, we could spend the next year looking at, at, at just this gospel, but we probably won't, won't do that. Um, but we're, we, we do want to take our time and, and hear what the Lord has to say throughout this book. Um, this, the whole point of, of, of reading Scripture um, you know, it, we have to know the purpose behind it, right? That uh, really helps helps us see what we're supposed to see when we understand what the why is. And and every book of the Bible has a slightly different um, purpose, right? A, a different intent. And so I wanted to start this series out. Today is going to be kind of kind of um, introductory kind of ideas, uh, so that we can kind of go into the to the book. With, with a little context, uh, but ironically, uh, th- the best place to find the purpose for the book is John kind of buried the lead. He tells us the purpose for writing, why he wrote this gospel, but he does it in like the last four verses of the entire book. So we're actually going to start at the end and then, and then start over at the beginning, um, if that makes sense. So John chapter 20, verse 30, he says this, says the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written, so here's the purpose. These were written so that you may believe and continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. It's a good purpose. And, and that's the, the, so when we're reading this book over the next number of weeks, always keep in mind that this is why we're reading it. It is, it is the, the, the driving force behind this is so that you will believe and continue to believe. And through that belief, God's life will, will, will rise within you. And through that life and through the power of his name, we will, all of the other parts of Christianity, all the other parts of what we think of when we think of spirituality can blossom, all right? That's a very important step that, that the purpose is not, the purpose of John or of, of any of the Gospels is not to just show you so you know how to act. That is not the, that is not the purpose. That is, a, that is an end result of the purpose, but that is not the purpose unto itself because here's the, the, the truth, and I think you know this, uh, about yourself, uh, I think we're all uh, self-aware enough to know you're not that good. Um, you're not that disciplined. You're not that. You're. You can't do that on your own. You just knowing what the right thing is to do, knowing what Jesus did, and that He asks us to act the same way, knowing how 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 a, a Christian should act is not um, in itself. How you don't have the internal motivation or discipline to do that in and of yourself. That only happens as, a, as an 
a, a, a fruit, a, an outcropping of the life of Christ rising within us. And that, that rises through belief in him. And so the purpose of this book is to encourage us and to, to uh, as we read John, um, I trust that his, the Holy Spirit is going to, to breathe into us belief so that we can, we can look and, and sound and act more like Jesus. Amen? All right, so that's the general purpose. Um, fair warning uh, about John. Um, one of the things you're going to see over and over and over and over in this book is um, confrontation. Uh, specifically, you are going to be confronted with Jesus. And, and um, you know, so what do you mean confronted? I know Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm sure you do. Uh, but but the, the amazing thing about, about Jesus, when we see him, when we truly seek him, is there is, and John teases this out maybe more than any other gospel, that there is a confrontational element to Jesus. And it doesn't matter who you are. There are parts of Jesus that are going to confront you as we go through this. If we read this right, you're going to have to, you're going to be put in a position at some point where you are going to have to accept a truth about Jesus that you don't get or that you don't like or that you don't like and you don't get. <laughs> we, we are confronted with Jesus' depth in this book. Um, and largely, I think a lot of that, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but just the, the nature of John's relationship with Jesus really leads to a very unique um, accounting of Jesus' life because John was so close to Jesus. Um, but we are going to be confronted in this, this book with, with his grace, with his empathy, with his power, with Jesus' emotions. Jesus was an emotional dude. Um, and, and all of the emotions... Not like, like some of us are, you know, a lot of us, we're comfortable with Jesus expressing certain emotions and others of us are, uh, you know, okay with him expressing other certain emotions, but I, most of us have a few things that Jesus will, you're going to experience as we, we read these stories and we really look into them that Jesus is going to act a certain way or feel a certain way or do a certain thing that's not going to sit right with you. That's not the Jesus I know um, or not the Jesus I, I'm comfortable with or have ever heard of or, or doesn't fit into to the one that I want controlling my life. And it's important that we're honest um, and I want to say this up front. It's important that we're honest about those moments. If we're going to grow in our relationship with, with, with Jesus, we have to be willing to be honest about the, 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 the conflicts that arise, just like any relationship. You're never going to get past it if you just ignore it. And, and so one of, my, one of my prayers through this book is that we are, that the Holy Spirit, as we read through John, he would confront us with the parts of Jesus that we um, need confronted with. And that's going to be different for, for, for all of us. There are certain parts that, that we're going to like that somebody else doesn't and vice versa. And John does this because in order to truly believe in Jesus, we have to come to grips with the reality that he is bigger than what we believe him to be. To believe anything less 
is to believe a lie. You know, one of the, um, there's, there's a, a bunch of different sayings out there, but the, many of them boil down uh, about God, but many of them boil down to the, the reality of, or the, the thought, the sentiment that is simply this. Uh, any, any God that you understand really isn't God. Right? If you can make sense of God, then he's not that complicated because you're not that complicated. And I'm not that complicated. And so one of the things, if we're really going to receive Jesus as he is, is we have to accept, there has to be things that we, we see about Jesus that we accept as truth by faith, not because we understand them. And so we're going to see some of that as we, we, we go through the, his life through John's eyes. I, I, I named the series um, A Biography of Jesus because that's what the Gospels are. Um, they're they are, they are a, um, a Jewish biography. That's the genre. It's the, the type of writing that they are. Um, it's important to understand that. Whenever we're looking at Scripture, it, it, it plays out a lot in Scripture, but really in the rest of life, it's important too. We just do it more um, uh, we're just more familiar with it in, in the rest of life. What genre something is matters a lot in how you read the thing, right? Um, if you're reading a newspaper or you're reading song lyrics or you're reading, um, you know, instructions to how to, how to put together a, a Lego set, these are all, you read, the, you read what you read differently depending on its context. And the same is, is true in Scripture. There's a number of different genres throughout the Bible. In fact, many of the objections that you hear floated around in, in culture today and skepticism about the Bible, um, a lot of it you can just trace back to this problem. People are reading stuff, not just out of context, but they're reading it out of genre. They're reading a poem and they're trying to take it literal as if it was, uh, as if it was a science textbook. Right? Or, or, they're, or they're reading a historical narrative and they're trying to read it as if it was a, 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 like a testimony in, in a court of law. And so we have to understand that, that this is what we're going to be looking at is this is a biography. This is a story, um, a true story, an account of Jesus' life. And it's through the eyes of John, through another person, through, through someone who, who, who was there with him. Um, I, I call it a biography of Jesus, not the biography of Jesus, because as I'm sure you know, it's not the only one, right? <laughs> there, are, there, there are three others in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, and, and John is, is the last of the three, the um, there were there were four different accounts in in scripture. One of my one of my favorite uh, comedians, a guy named Michael Junior. Um, I think this is he claims this is true, but he says when he first started pursuing Jesus, he didn't know anything about God. Um, he uh, he decided that before he could get saved, he needed to read the Bible. It's an admirable thought. I, 
wish more people had that, that idea. Um, but so he, he said, I want to, I want to be saved, but I, I feel like I need to read the Bible first. So he, so he read through the Bible. He got to the New Testament and he read through Matthew and he read through Mark and he read through Luke. And he got to John, and he got to the end of John, and by the end of John, he was so frustrated with, with this story because he didn't understand why Jesus kept doing the same things over and over that led to his death. <laughs> he, didn't, he genuinely didn't get that it was, it was one life, three accounts. He thought, you know, he, he wasn't even saved yet. This was all new to him. He thought Jesus kept getting reincarnated and living this same, like Groundhog Day or something. Um, but no, that's not what happened. It's three, three different accounts of the same life lived. Um, and we see this in, in the four, these four things we call the Gospels. They're, why do we have four? Why do we have multiple accounts? Why, wasn't, why didn't we make, why didn't the Holy Spirit just author one, write the Gospel? And there's a couple reasons. The first one is um, different authors uh, had their own relationship with Jesus and with culture, right? And so they are able to, they're addressing the different gospels, address Jesus' life in different ways and to different people for different, slightly different purposes, all right? Um, another reason was that in the, the, the Jewish legal system, um, and really all legal systems back then, because forensics wasn't a thing, right? They, they, they didn't have a lot of the modern-day evidence type of things that we would uh, we use in our court system. So uh, eyewitness testimony was, was, was paramount, right? It was largely everything in, in, in court cases. And, and the, 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 the minimum requirement was that you had to have at least two or three witnesses for something to be, be viewed as credible. You couldn't just have one guy saying, oh, this happened, and the courts would, would just accept that. You had to have multiple witnesses. And so what we see in the Gospels, what we see in the New Testament, is, is kind of, you know, the Holy Spirit going, going a step further. You need two or three? Fine, here's four. Here's four written accounts, real, written testimonies to who Jesus was. Um, like I mentioned, all the Gospels are a little, a little different, and we don't have time to go into any real depth on how they're different, uh, except to say this. The, the, way I, the way in my mind, which may be a scary place to take you, um, but uh, the, the, I see the differences in those. I, I like to look at them like, think of the, the Gospels like movies. Um, and, and each one is kind of a different type of movie. So for me, um, Matthew is kind of like the political, legal thriller, right? It's, it's the Pelican Brief, it's the firm, it's, you know, maybe a few good men. It's very, uh, it's written by a, a tax collector. It's, it's very, um, very focused on, on, on the law and, and some of those challenges, uh, uh, Mark was, 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 is like the action movie. Like every other sentence ends with, and immediately something else happens, right? It's very, it's short, it's fast paced, he gets right to the point. Um, it's great if you have ADD and you need a gospel, Mark is the one for you. Um, he's gonna get right to the point, get in, get out, lots of action. Um, so that's like the action movie. Luke, to me, was, would be your investigative journalism piece, right? Luke was... 
Luke was a doctor. He, he wasn't an actual witness. And so what we have in, in Luke's gospel is him really um, reporting everything he had collected from those that, that, that were there um, with Jesus. It, it was kind of like a, you know, an ancient 60 minutes, um, but accurate. Um, so, so as you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, Luke, and then, then John to me would be a, a retrospective kind of biopic. It's very different than the other, the other three. It, it's, matter of fact, 90% of the content of, of, of John is, is unique to John. The rest of them are, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are, they're called synoptic gospels, which, you know, synonym, very similar. They have, they have a, there's a ton of overlap in the, in the other three. John is kind of the, the, the odd man out, it takes a very unique approach to to it, and it, to me, it, it reads kind of like a, 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 a biopic. Think like like Titanic or Braveheart. It's this this recollection of a, of a person from looking back in, in a very kind of like a poignant, um, kind of big picture way. Um, Whereas the, the other accounts tend to tend to focus on kind of the, the plot of Jesus' life, the what and the when and, and all that. John uses the really uses the plot, uses the stories, uses the accounts um, in order to show us who he was. That's really kind of John's John's focus. He he he's focused on on trying to reveal kind of big picture who Jesus was and what he what, what his nature is. Um, and we'll see that as we, we dig through um, over the next number of weeks. If I was shooting jo- the Gospel of John as a movie, I think the opening scene would be something like uh, something like this. You have a, an old man. You have John. John lived till to, into his uh, 80s or 90s, which was, was very you know, rare at, at that time. So you have John sitting like maybe on a hillside, um, you know, in a rocking chair or something. And um, you hear some rustling uh, over on the corner. And, and, and you see this little boy kind of peeking around, like trying to steal a, a glimpse of him, um, but kind of like scared and hiding. See, see uh, by the time John had reached this age, this is true. By the time John had reached this age, there was a rumor that had gone around that m- many people believed that John could not die. He was literally immortal. And, um, and, and there was a number of reasons for this. And some of them, you know, it, you, know you could build the case and see how, especially to a, a kid, it may, it may make perfect sense. You know, John was, like I mentioned, in his 80s or 90s, which in, it, in itself was pretty rare, you know, at, at, those t- at that time uh, in history. Uh, he had... The, the fact that every other disciple, every other of the 12 um, original disciples had been killed, were, were no, longer, no longer here. Um, the fact that he had, spent, he had spent much of his life seen a, as an enemy of Rome, the most powerful uh, government ever known to mankind up to that point, and was chased for the better part of his adult life by literally an army of Jewish lawyers. Like, that was, 
his life. Rome was after him, and Israel, the, the lawyers of Israel, were trying to kill him. That, that, was, that was his, his kind of existence um, post-Jesus' post ascension. On multiple occasions, he was sentenced to death. And by tradition, once he was poisoned, and another time they, 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 they boiled him in oil. Neither of them took. Um, and so they actually ended up, uh, Rome just ended up exiling him to an island. And so you see all these things coming together, and you can imagine there is a, um, a mystique, a rumor that you could see how that could build around somebody, right? That, that, okay, this guy. And, there was, and then to add on top of all that, there was, um, if you remember, there was an exchange with Jesus while he was still alive. Um, where I think it was Peter was, was talking to him and, and Jesus was telling Peter, kind of like preparing him for the life that he was, he was going to live. And he was kind of like letting Peter know, like, hey man, you're going to follow me, but it's, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your life. And, you know, foot and mouth Peter, of course. He, his response was, what about him? Right? He points to John. And Jesus' response is, basically, that's none of your business. It doesn't matter if I decide he, he, he's going to live. Uh, he, he's never going to die. Um, it doesn't matter. You worry about you. That's kind of Jesus, a paraphrase of Jesus' response. But, but that phrase, what his reply, people overheard it, and some people took it as Jesus saying that he, in fact, would never die. Um, so you have John. He's, he's old. He's sitting at the end of this, you know, sitting on this chair. And this boy comes sneaking around the corner. And John says, what are you, what are you doing? And, and the, boy, the boy says, just trying to see. And John says, well, trying to see what exactly? And, you know, as boys do, they just skip right to the point. Uh, Is it true that you knew the one called Jesus and now you can never die? And maybe John looks at him and kind of chuckles and just says, I suppose that's true. And the boy says, I wish I could live forever, just like you. And John says, what if I told you I knew someone that could make that happen? But it's a long story. Do you want to hear it? And of course, if you offer immortality to a child that's innocent enough to believe what you're saying is true, they sits right down and John looks at him and replies, in the beginning was the word. John starts his, his biography with, with this synopsis of the whole story he's going to tell. And, and it's going to be where we're going to kind of dip our toe into the text um, that we're going to be in for the next number of weeks. Uh, but it's very different than the rest of the text, ironically. Um, like any good teacher, he's going to tell us what he's going to tell us. He's going to, in, in 15 short verses, he's going to, um, he's going to basically catch us up to all of history, um, to where he's going to start the rest of the book. And so, so we see that starting in John 1.1. 1, 1. But let, let's, before we jump in, let's just pray real quick. Father, we, we thank you for, for your word. God, let your word illuminate our hearts this morning. God, would you show us your, yourself through your text? We love you, Jesus. Amen. So John 1.1, um, 
says, in the beginning was the Word. Uh, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Some kind of abstract ideas here, right? Um, the, the word word here, <laughs> can get confusing. Uh, the word word here in Greek is, is, you may have heard it before, is logos, right? We've heard, taught on that before. Um, and logos was not a Jewish word. It wasn't a Jewish idea. It was actually a Greek idea. Remember at this time you have, you have uh, the word, our story is, is in the Jewish community in Israel, but Rome is the dominate, Greek is the dominating culture, right? Um, and John is, is writing not just, to, not just to Jews. This, the purpose, again, of this, remember this book, this gospel, is he's trying to get the word out. And so, so he chooses this, John chooses to, to, to explain this in the context of this idea of, of logos. And logos was not, like I said, it was not a Jewish concept, it was a Greek concept. It was a, in fact, it was a, a philosophical idea. If you guys, I'm sure you, you know, you, you're familiar, uh, the, the Greeks invented philosophy. It was, it was kind of like a core of their, their, um, their culture. They were, they, they, they were obsessed with philosophy and specifically um, the answering of this, this very idea. The, all of their philosophy was really centered around answering the question, what is truth? Because the reason they were asking the question because they believed that truth or the word or logos, the word, um, it was the secret to life. If they could just figure out what is the logos, then they, they would have the answers to everything in life and everything would be, they could create a utopia and everything would be you know, perfect and, and, and they would have the power to do anything that they, they needed to do. It was the, the answer to all of their questions in life was, gonna, was found in this idea that they were, they were crazy pursuing, which is logos. It was the, the unifying binding truth of all of the universe. That's... That's what it was. Um, anybody seen, read, seen or read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Right? The answer, <laughs> the answer to the universe, life, and everything, everything in it. Right? They were, they were looking for that. The answer was not 42. Um, so they, 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 this was, their, this was their, their passionate pursuit. And so we see here John taking this idea... This, this non-Jewish idea, and, and he, he doesn't condemn them for it. Instead, he decides to use it to connect with them. And so we see here at the beginning of John, um, even in the way he is starting his book, we see kind of two implications that I think are really important for, for us to see about what, God, what John is trying to tell us about God. The first one is that God is willing to translate himself into a language we can understand. He chose to use words that they already knew. He didn't, he could, he could have, he could have um, stuck with the, the, the Old Testament kind of version of this story, 
right? And, 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 and tried to, to, to say, hey, if you're interested in this God, here, here, here's the Old Testament. Look at this story. This will catch you up. This is, this is who God is. This is how he came to be. But no, he, he didn't do that. Instead, he, he chooses to, to borrow and to build a bridge using their own already existing kind of desires um, to, to, to bring them in, to, to make it accessible. And that's such a, a beautiful um, picture of, I think, God and how he reaches out to us in languages that we can grab. Um, in, in your life, there are, there, are, there are things, there are ways God is trying to communicate just to you because it's only going to make sense to you. Um, and it's powerful. And man, when, when, when we know, when you know, when you've had, and if you've had this experience, you know what I'm talking about. When you know God has, has, has spoken to you in a way that's unique to you and it was only to you and for you, it changes everything in life. It changes everything in life. And the second thing is that John is, is offering not only does, does he use their language so they can understand what he's saying, but he is offering the answer to the question that they're already seeking. They were already desperately looking for the logos. We see Paul do this. Uh, this isn't in John, but later Paul does this. Uh, he, he goes to a place called Mars Hill, and, and, and you know they worship all kinds of gods, and, and there, was, there was a statue there to an unknown god. And so he, he takes the opportunity to use this. Let me, you have a statue right here to an un, unknown god. I know him. Let me, let me tell you about him. The reality is that every one of us, whether we know it or not, is desperately looking for Jesus. We look at it, we look for him in different areas, we look for him in different, different ways, we call it different things. We may not even be aware of it, but the truth is every, every human that's ever lived spent their life desperately looking for Jesus. And John continues his, his recap in verse 5. He says, uh, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can, can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell, tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into this world. He, he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. It's probably the most incredible uh, statement in all of the universe. <laughs> the word became flesh, became human, and made his, his home among us. That term, his home, we talked about this a little while ago. Um, when I did the, the teaching on the tabernacle prayer, that, that term there, he made his home among us, it, the, the, the actual term is tabernacled. It's, he, he created, he created a, a place in us 
for connection, where we can, we can, we can have access to his presence, where, where the business between us, the relationship between us can be settled. It wasn't just, a, it wasn't just a, a word became human and made his home among us. It wasn't just a geography thing. It was a relational thing. This passage, by the way, is, is the place to show anyone who claims that the Bible doesn't say that Jesus was God. John 1 is a great place to take them to show them that that is, that is in fact, not true. I mean, there's a ton of places you could go. But this one, it, there, it's just multiple places. And within a short time, you can, you can I don't know how you read this and, and can say that that's not what, what the Bible is claiming. Um, so we jump back in. So verse 14, so the word, the word became human and made his, his home among us. He was so full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his, his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testifies about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. That's another theme you're going to see throughout the book, throughout the Gospel of John, of him, him demonstrating as he tells these stories about Jesus how, how uh, God's unfailing love and faithfulness comes through Jesus, how he is unfailingly loving and unfailingly faithful. And that both of those things take on some very interesting um, context as we, we go through. It's not always what you think or what you expect or even what you, th what, what you think is, is you would never attach these two acts, right? This, Jesus is doing this thing, and, but it's a loving act. And how does that, how does that work? Because this sure doesn't look like it's maybe on the, on the surface loving. Um, we'll, we'll wrestle with those as, as we go. Verse 18, he says, uh, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is God himself, another good clue that Jesus did claim to be God, uh, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. What was the Father's heart that he revealed to us? Well, it was that God wants us to be in his presence. He came became flesh to tabernacle with us. God came to us because we couldn't go to him, right? We know, we know these stories. We're, we, we're broken. We are sinful. We don't have in and of ourselves. There is no access to God. So he comes down to us. And we'll see the Father's heart throughout this, this gospel. Just spoiler alert. We're going to see a, in Jesus God's heart to see us restored and healed and set free and connected and submitted to him. And our, our mission here at, at Christian Assembly, uh, one, one of the ways we, we, we say it is, we, we, uh, we want to be a people who are devoted to his presence, his people, and, and his purpose. And this year we're going to be uh, focusing, we're going to be uh, our, our pursuit is really going to be focused on that first part. 
devoting ourselves to his presence. Because the rest really flow out of that. If, if, you're not in, if we're not in his presence, if we don't get good at being in his presence and, 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 and operating out of his, not leaving his presence, but from the position of being in his presence, then devoting ourselves to his people, then devoting ourselves to his purpose, if we don't get that thing in the right order, um, we're going to end up in some, some unhealthy and really unfun places. I don't know if you know this about me, I like fun. Um, and I am a firm believer that God loves fun. Um, but fun uh, took me 20-some years to figure this out. But fun actually comes out of order when we're talking about God, right? He, he puts things in order so that we can have fun. And, and if, we're gonna, if we want to have fun in God, it starts with pursuing and being devoted to his presence. And so that's, that's what we're going to be doing this, this, this year as, as our primary focus um, this quarter, we're going to do that in kind of two ways. Um, and, and this is kind of the, the, the you know, the, we're not, we're, I'm not ending, uh, we're going to be ending here in just a minute, uh, just with a prayer. There's not ministry time. Uh, my, my call, my invitation uh, at the beginning of this, this series is simply this, to, to, to commit with, with me, with us, to do just that. This year, to be devoted to his presence and part of that is is as we we look for these and create opportunities to do that together to make every effort to be a part of them and so we have two this quarter that we're going to be doing the first one is january 26th and 27th we're going to be doing um a, a, a fast and a night of worship and prayer so the the fast will start on the 26th um and then on the 27th, we're going to have a, a, a worship, time of worship and prayer. Uh, I would encourage you to, to put that in your calendar today to make, make uh, plans for that. If, you, if you've not fasted before, if you're not really comfortable or un, really unsure what, what all that means, um, we'll be addressing that. We'll be getting you some information um, starting next week. Uh, actually, we'll have some, some stuff on, on what that is. The fasting can look look different to different people. Um, but we'll get you some information and we'll be we'll talking more about that. So that's the first thing. The, and that's a, you know, that's a, a one-time deal. It's really good. I encourage you to join us for that. Um, you know, God responds when, when he says, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. So if we want God to, to be close in our community, we as a community need to draw close to him. That's what these, these moments, these times are about. So, so we're going to do that. And then the other thing, and this is a little more in, in, in investment, um, but beginning February 18th, that's a Sunday, um, for eight Sundays, um, well, we're going to take Easter off uh, in there, but other than that, uh, it'll be eight sun consecutive Sundays at, from four to six we're doing a, it's called, we're calling it just a rea it's reality prayer course. And it is, um, it's going to be a, just a, an amazing, I think, life-changing for some um, opportunity to, to grow in our understanding of, of what it looks like to pray with God, not just to him. So um, there's a, a gentleman, his name's Kerry Davis. He's been, um, he's been in, in uh, prayer ministry and youth ministry for, for 
um, in the city for, for decades. Um, and he, he's uh, uh, agreed to come and, and facilitate this, this course for us. Uh, I'm super excited just myself um, <laughs> to, to learn. Um, but the, 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 uh, the course, it'll be two hours, and it's, it's, it's both class and practice. Right, so so format-wise, we're gonna we're gonna come together, we're gonna learn a little bit, and then we're gonna do it, and then we're gonna learn a bit more, and then we're gonna do it right there together. It'll be awkward, it'll be awesome, um, but the Lord, I promise you, if you commit, if you commit to this process, the Lord will grow us together. Um, I think God has more for us as far as our ability to to pray specifically and pray with. The Holy Spirit, not just not just to God. There's a difference. Um, one of the things that we're, we'll see throughout John and and you see throughout the New Testament is that we we are called to follow a God that speaks to us. He has things to say, and and sometimes somehow we, we just I do it myself. We've we've. Too often we've divorced our speaking to him and his speaking to us. It's supposed to be a conversation. And, and, and when that conversation happens is really when we start to see God um, show up and, and, and we give him access to, to um, really make significant changes in our life. And so that's, that's what this, this reality prayer course is about. So again, uh, I encourage you to, to pray about it. Um, but God's telling you to go and then um, put it on your calendar. <laughs> okay. Um, so w- would you consider the, those two things as we, we jump into to this series? And then the third thing, of course, is, is this series. We picked this series um, on purpose. John is, um, John was, you know, the... Uh, just the way he, the way he refers to himself, it, it tells you a lot about about who he was. He, he never self-identifies in, in the gospel. Um, he just calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved. And really that's, there's one thing you need to know about John, that's what you need to know. That, that was the filter of his life. And so his, through his gospel, you'll see that over and over and over again. How, how he, he, he never got over that. <laughs> He never got over how much, how much Jesus loved him. And because of that, he, he was, it was through that lens that all of the ministry that he did, all of the, 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 the suffering that he endured. One, I was, as I was studying this week, one of the things that, hit, that really hit me that just, I was like, I'd take a minute and like process it, was the fact that, you know, John is, the book is so full of hope and life and optimism and love and, and, and kind of, you know, looking towards the future and all of these, these great things. And, and it hit me that John wrote it at the end of his life. He didn't write it right after Jesus had ascended and, you know, Pentecost happened and 3,000 people are getting saved. He wrote it at the end of his life. After every, every one of his brothers, because that's what the disciples came, they spent five years 24-7, camping and living and arguing. He saw every single one of them assassinated in the most brutal ways ever. He himself, I mentioned, has been tortured and exiled. And 
He died, he, died, he died at a time where from the outside it still wasn't really certain if this Christianity thing was really going to survive Rome. Um, but yet he, 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 when he writes this gospel, you see none of that. You see a, a confidence and a, and a joy that, that comes out of it. How does that happen? It's because the circumstances weren't powerful enough to overcome the, the relationship of, and, and what he knew Jesus to be. And if we could, we could grasp onto that same thing, the same thing would be true for us. No circumstance would be able to affect our perspective of what's really going on. We would be able to distort the fact that, because the truth is, in every given moment, in every given uh, chapter in history, in every day you wake up, God is in control. And he does have good plans. And there is a hope and a future for each and every one of us. And, and when we see our lives through the lens of Jesus' love, we can see that. When we lose track of it, we start to look at the other things, the other circumstances. So that's another one of my prayers, that we would, we would as we, we go through this series, um, we would, like John, begin to see life through Jesus' love. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. It's so rich. It's so amazing. Um, whenever I, we, we open it, it, it's just, it breathes such life into us. God, we, we've started today talking about how we want to pursue you. We want to devote ourselves to your presence in 2024. God, I ask that you would you would protect that, that intention. God, everything we do, even, even serving you, even pursuing you, we can only do through your, your power and your grace. So would you give us the grace to stay focused on your presence this year? To show us what it really looks like to be devoted and to, to abide in your presence to speak everything we speak out of the knowledge that we are in your presence, to make every decision, every dollar we spend, every, every calendar entry we put in our, in our phones, every one of them would go through the filter of the reality of us, us living in your presence. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless. We'll...